Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Got a, I got a message for you today that I think uh, may help you in your daily walk in, in an important area or certain areas, if you will, where I think it may ground you in certain ways, really, is, is, is one of the ways to say it. Okay, Genesis chapter 3, remember the Garden of Eden. Oh, the Garden of Eden, Gan Eden. Boy, it was so nice, wasn't it? Oh, the Garden of Eden, so, so great, so wonderful. Okay, in the Garden of Eden, it had all this great stuff, delicious food. Oh, wow, boy, it comes back to food again. I talked about the Sufganiyot. Wow, last Hanukkah, I was in Israel, uh, and man, the donuts there. Oh, my gosh. I, I brought back a video. I don't know if some of you remember. It's just unbelievable, the donuts. I, and it's only during Hanukkah that they really pull them out. And before then, they have donuts, but like they have donuts the way we have donuts. You know, it's nice, and you know, they have donut shops, but man, during Hanukkah, it's like, wow, you realize what Hanukkah in heaven is going to look like, you know? It's so many different kinds of donuts. Anyway, okay, I'm sorry, I totally distracted myself with a sufgani yod. I do that sometime. Genesis chapter 3, remember that there was only one tree that we were not to eat the fruit from. Only one tree in the whole entire garden, of course. What do we do? Oh, you get vault. But I want to focus. We're going to listen to a little bit of the account, but there's part of it that I want you to tune into, and it will reveal itself as we go through this message. Verse 1, chapter 3. But the serpent was shrewder than any animal of the field that Adonai made. Uh, so it said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from all the trees of the garden? But the woman said to the serpent, of the fruit of the trees we may eat, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat of it and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, okay, here comes, it's part of the sales pitch here. You most assuredly won't die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Here's a key verse here I want us to focus on, verse 6. Now the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a thing of lust for the eyes and that the tree was desirable for imparting wisdom. So she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Oh, boy, boy, bad, bad, bad. Oh, man, Adam and Eve, they, they blew it grandly. Listen, I, I'm sure we'll see them in heaven, and they'll be like, yeah, we, yeah, we know, we know, we know. 
You know, how many, how many billions of people are that we got to ask for forgiveness for? Okay, 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 it's our fault, sorry. Uh, no, we forgive you, Adam and Eve. Very interesting account as to how it happened and what was it that kind of attracted them to this fruit. I have uh, uh, an MBA, a Master's of Business Administration from Emory University at the Gazueta Business School there, and had a great time learning all about business and, and that kind of thing. And uh, with the undergraduate business degree from Georgia Tech, I think most of you know that. There, there's a reason I'm talking about that. It's not a self-congratulatory. I worked in marketing at AT&T for many years. I had such a great time with it. Y'all, when I worked in marketing at AT&T, man, it was a blast. I get, just very frankly, it was a fun job. Uh, we did so many things, and uh, I, I, I remember uh, doing promotions where I gave cars away. I gave lots of cars away to people. Let me tell you, it's a fun job giving somebody a free car. It's just like with uh, sweepstakes and stuff like that. It is so much fun just giving cars away. I felt like Oprah. And also led huge advertising campaigns. And, uh, and, and back when I was there, I was, I was spending many, many millions and millions and millions of dollars on a regular basis. I mean, it was just like not infrequent that I'd be signing my name to so many invoices. Yeah, this is right. This is right. That would just add up to massive amounts of money. But it was so much fun, man. All the, There were lots of kind of perks and just fun things you did and just marketing in and of itself man marketing is fun I had a, at least for me I had a lots of fun when I was in marketing AT&T it was a real blast now finance people uh, on the other hand by and large and this is a, a broad generality I readily admit but I'm marketing right I've come from marketing the finance guys at AT&T it strikes me just personally poisonally they don't seem like they like to have fun. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They don't seem like they like. They don't seem like they have like as fun as as we had. Now I'm biased, of course, but those finance people, those number crunchers, always seem to try to put a damper on our fun. I mean, that's just. It was like their their job in life seemed to be to put a damper on our fun and marketing. The finance folks, okay, okay, right? No, no, they would say this is too much money. No, no, too much money. No, no, let's look at the ROI. Let's look at the return on investment. No, no, we can't do that. No, that's too much money. It's like, come on, guys, come on, lighten up a little bit here. They, you know, these finance folks. I mean, they think that spread. They think that spreadsheets are fun. You know, it's like, oh wow, look. These pivot tables and, and Excel spreadsheets. Wow, that's a lot. I'm like, oh man, oh man, are you serious? Okay, whatever. I'll never forget when I made uh, this extensive proposal, this extensive marketing proposal. And I gotta tell you, man, it was a thing of beauty. You know what I mean? I had the power set, the slides, I had the displays I presented, and this, you know, I, it was grand and it was a great plan, you know, in marketing, all that kind of thing. But then, I'll never forget this, it was, it's, it's a really a poignant memory for me, it was, a, it was a really great moment, truthfully. But then one of the finance guys spoke up and said, hey, wait a minute here, <laughs> hey, wait a minute here, you, you marketing people are all the same, you marketing people, whenever, whenever, this is what the finance guy said, he said, whenever I want to talk about the numbers, 
you say, yeah, 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 yeah. But look at this shiny ball. Oh, it's so beautiful, isn't it? Wow, look at the shiny ball. And, and, and when he said that, even though I was like, and, and Margaret, I was like, I just had to start cracking up because I thought, wow, there's some level of truth to that. But it was like, wow, he called me out. It was just so good. It was, it was, it was also very funny, which is, you know, you're not typical of the fan. It was a great moment, though. This guy was good. I was cracking up. Uh, it was a great moment. I did get the project approved, but that's not the point. Okay, uh, <laughs> what do we read, friends? This is what we read here. We read in verse 6 what? It says that after the deceiver had drawn attention to the fruit of the tree, it says that Eve did what? Quote, saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a thing of lust for the eyes and that the tree was desirable. So she ate of it. This is what Eve and Adam did. Very important to understand. What happened? She and Adam were doing just fine. They did not need to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were doing just fine, thank you very much. They had the tree of life. They had the garden. They had every animal. They had all the food they wanted. They had delight, pleasure. They had, most importantly, this relationship with the creator of the universe, God that was supreme, and, and, and intimate and beautiful. What else could they possibly need? They, they, were, they were doing just wonderful, wonderfully. Who knows how long they were in the garden in relative bliss before this happened, before this moment. I actually personally, Rabbi Kevin theology, uh, I think it was a very, very, very long time before this happened. But the point here is that they were on a great path Adam and Eve were on a great path, and then suddenly they were drawn away by the shiny object. Wow, <laughs> half the congregation head nodded at that point. We're like, yeah, we see that. Ooh, it looks so good. It was so pretty. How interesting it is that the scriptures say that the fruit that they partook of was a thing of lust for the eyes. Wow, that's strong, isn't it? What a, literally a visual, what a visual that is. Is that, yes, it looks good for food as well. I mean, you know, when you a piece of fruit, generally you're thinking, how's that going to taste? You'd think it would say it's a thing of lust for the taste buds, <laughs> you know, for the mouth. But it, was, but it says that this fruit was a thing of lust for the eyes. Wow, man, that's so deep. There was something attractive about this, which was not best, which was off limits, which would draw them away from God, this shiny object of sorts. Do you see this? This is like number one, first technique of the adversary. That's the very first one he used against us. 
That probably tells us something. Genesis 25, please. Genesis 25, Bereshit 25. See, this is how the deceiver can deceive us. Now, verse 29, 25, chapter 25, verse 29. Now, Yaakov, Jacob, cooked a stew. Let's talk about the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. Jacob cooked a stew. When Esau came in from the field, he was exhausted. So Esau said to Jacob, please feed me some of this, re- this really red stuff. That's a great translation. Some says stew. Because I'm exhausted. That's why he's called Edom. So Jacob said, sell your birthright to me today. Esau said, look, I'm about to die of whatever use is this to me, a birthright. Jacob said, make a pledge to me now. So he made a pledge to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. In this case, the shiny object was nothing more than a pot of stew when he was hungry. It was nothing more than a pot of stinking stew when the dude was famished. Now, he was in a moment of of need. He was hungry. But my, 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 my. Sold his birthright for a pot of stew. That's what the shiny object was that lured Esau to do this thing. And for this, he gave up his birthright. And wow, you know, we read later, of course, that Esau very much regretted doing so. Very much regretted doing so. Sometimes, y'all, I really think this is going to help us each in our daily lives because we've got to know the tactics of the adversary. If you know the tactics of the adversary, you're better able to defend against them. That just makes sense. Know your enemy. And sometimes in the moment, we lose perspective. Be on God. (laughs) In the moments, you can lose perspective. When you're weak, be especially careful. Because we may not have the full perspective we need to make a big decision. Sometimes in the moment, we don't see things clearly. Sometimes we act rashly. We see what can fulfill the immediate need instead of stopping and looking at the big picture. If you will, sometimes we just get mesmerized by the shiny object. By that shiny object, it, it looks so beautiful. It, 
It's what I want right now. That's what I want. I want that beautiful, shiny object. Oh, it just glistens. And, and, and it shines, and I can see reflections and beautiful colors, and that shiny object is just so beautiful. It's so much nicer than whatever else. I don't even want to think about that. I want that shiny object. Do you know at the end of the day what that reminds me a little bit of, y'all? It reminds me of a child. But it's, this is not a child problem. This is an adult problem. But you know how a child can be. They see something, oh, it's easy to distract a child, right? If you have something that's shiny or that makes some noises or rattles or something, you know, the child can be doing the one thing, but suddenly it's like, ding, 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 ding. Oh, oh. You know, I bring that tambourine out there and and I shake that on this side of that child. I promise you that child's going to be turning toward that tambourine. Oh, what is that? Oh, you see, this is how all too often we are and we can be. It's what I want right now. And you see this all the time. Sometimes you see it because there's such a thing. Those of you in sales, I know a number of you are in sales. <laughs> And if you're a consumer, and if you've ever bought big tickets, there's a, there's a psych, I minored in psychology, there's a psychological effect called buyer's regret, buyer's remorse. What is that? Sometimes with an impulse purchase, you regret the decision you made once you have it, right? Once you, once you have, already have that shiny ball for a little while, then it doesn't glisten quite so much. Why? Maybe you got your fingerprints all over it, it, it doesn't shine so much, Maybe you've dropped it a couple times. Maybe you realize it's not as valuable as you thought it was. There's a reason that candy bars are in the checkout line. <laughs> Think about it. It ain't no coincidence, y'all. Candy bars are in the checkout line. What is it? The candy bar is a shiny object that can provide a moment of pleasure. and you purchase it impulsively. Later, when you get on the scale, <laughs> you regret it. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, man. And then it's like, wh wh why are you having this feeling right now? Because of those impulse purchases, the shiny object, all those candy, whatever it is. You see how this can have an effect. You see things, these things happen so often in life. It's the credit card purchase. You can't quite afford it, eh, I'll charge it. <sighs> then you're paying for it, and paying for it, and paying for it, and paying for it. And with some credit card rates these days, in six, seven, eight years, you'll still be paying for it. Long after you've thrown it in the garbage, you're still paying for it. Mama, mm. it's the reason that that car salesman doesn't want for you to leave the dealership. Why that timeshare salesperson shows you the pool and the beautiful room. Focus on the shiny object. 
Ooh, isn't it beautiful? Let's take a test drive. Ah, oh, new car smell. Does your car smell like that now? No, my car doesn't smell like that. Oh my gosh, there's not one nick or ding on this car. It's so beautiful. <laughs> That's great. Do you know the payments? Second Timothy 4, please. Second Timothy 4. Oh, I told you this was a practical message. Mm. And frankly, friends, it's not just stuff. It's not just stuff. It's doctrine, too. There can be doctrine that's a shiny object out there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. We were warned, for the time will come when they will not put up with sound instruction, but they will pile up for themselves teachers in keeping with their own desires to have their ears tickled, and they will turn away from hearing the truth and wander off into myths. You, however, keep a clear mind in all things, withstand hardship to do the work of proclaiming the good news and fulfill your service. What is this? Friends, I'll tell you what this is. Shiny objects. Shiny theological objects. The theology of the day that, that, that can, can sound good and attractive for different reasons. Theological errors such as supersessionism, also called replacement theology. The lie that, that the, the body of believers, the church has replaced Israel. One law says that all Christians are required to follow the law specifically given to the Jewish people. The two-house error, prosperity gospel, Marcionism, which is prevalent, the hyperfaith movement, universalism, unrecognized mediation and dual covenant theology, moral relativism, Arianism. All of these are, this is all bad stuff, y'all. Bad stuff. All shiny objects that are attractive for different reasons but are distractions from the truth. It's so true. But wow, the allure that they carry. And wow, did you know this? I didn't know that. Wow, that is so interesting. Yeah, but that's taken out of context. But wow, it sure sounds good. 2 Kings chapter 5, please. 2 Kings chapter 5. <laughs> it's a great story. And within this story, you're going to see somebody who is looking, who is looking for the shiny object. I want you to see as we read the story, if you can tell who is looking for the shiny object and kind of when we get to that part. I think you'll, I think you'll 
be able to see yourself. We're talking about Naaman, Naaman. Naaman, the Syrian commander, had leprosy, or tzara'at, uh, in Hebrew, some kind of skin disease. And Naaman sought help in Israel, and the king of Israel sent him over to the prophet Elisha, Elisha. And a very interesting story. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses. By the way, this is Naaman. This is not Haman. Okay, you were a little slow. You were a little slow. Some of you, I, I had Bruce was fast. The rest of you were a little slow on that. Listen, I know we are far away from Purim. Like we're almost as far away from Purim. Well, it's, what is it, March, I think? It's not too, it's getting, but, but it's been like nine months since you've booed. You were a little slow. Practice the booing, okay? And typically, some people are watching who don't know Judaism. They're like, is he asking for them to boo him? What, what is he doing? Okay. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots. A Naaman who was uh, the, the, of course, the, uh, he was a Syrian commander. Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha, verse 10. So Elisha sent him a messenger. A messenger, he sent him a messenger. Catch that. Saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. He had this leprosy or this tzara'at, this skin disease. Verse 11, but Naaman was angered and walked away saying, I thought he would surely come out to me Stand and call on the name of Adonai his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure the tzara'ats. Aren't Amanah and far, far the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached him and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more then when he told you only to wash and be clean? So he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. Then his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he was clean. Friends, <laughs> Naaman was looking for that shiny object. <laughs> Big time. He was looking for that shiny object. He was looking for the prophet to come out. Prophet didn't even come out. He sent a messenger. It's pretty epic. This is a powerful military leader of the world. One of the, one of your, one of the, one of the military leaders of, of, a, of a powerful world power, right? And it's, it's a military. He comes in his chariot. He's talking about, you, you, that's quite an entrance, y'all. I'm saying, somebody come to your house in a chariot, you're going to pay attention. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That would be like somebody coming to your house today in a tank. <laughs> that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's somebody said, okay, uh, somebody calls you up and says, Oh, somebody needs some prayer. Uh, they need some healing. Would you mind if they stop by to get some prayer? Uh, sure, sure. It's this tank that pulls up in your driveway. <laughs> Along with the whole entourage of soldiers. You know? And then the general comes out. 
I mean, it's a grand thing, y'all. It's a grand thing. They traveled all the way to Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even come out and meet the guy. It said that when Naaman told the king of Israel, I hear you have somebody that can heal me, it says that the king of Israel shuddered. He was frightened. The king of Israel was frightened. He was like, oh, no. Read earlier in the chapter. He's freaking out because he's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get destroyed by the, by, by the Syrian general coming in. He's going to bring his troops. He's going to take us out. He was freaking out. And Elisha heard about it and said, send him to me. Send him to me. Send him to me. So, so there was reason for him to have come out and met this dude. And he didn't. He just sent a messenger out. Yeah, go, go dunk in the Chattahoochee seven times. The Chattahoochee? The, the Chattahoochee? What? Are you kidding me? You're sending me to the Chattahoochee? Yes, and south of Atlanta after all the pollutants from have, come, have come in. <laughs> after all the North Georgia, you know, stuff has, has gone into the Chattahoochee. That's where I want you to dip. What? That's what he, I mean, that's what he was asking for. See, that's not what Naaman was looking for. Naaman was looking for the, the prophet to come out. Oh, thus saith the Lord. Cleanse him of his leprosy. I mean, this is what he was looking for. He was looking for the shiny object. Real clearly, instead, what happened? See, is, is there a lesson in there for us? Y'all, there's a lesson in that for us if you're willing to listen. Matthew chapter 6. See, people often look for grand displays. People often look for the presentation. What does Messiah Yeshua say? <laughs> it's, he's not into the smoke and mirrors, so to speak. Matthew 6 verse 5 says this. Messiah says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Amen, I tell you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret shall reward you. And when you are praying, do not babble on and on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Friends, it's not about the show. Let me tell you what the show is. A shiny object. That's what the show is. Even in religious circles. The show is a shiny object. Which takes your attention away from that which is really important. God frequently does not use shiny objects. 
This should be an encouragement to you if, if you don't consider yourself a particularly shiny object. <laughs> okay? Now, some of you are like, I've lost a lot of hair. I think I am a bit shiny. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> I'm talking symbolically here, right? God frequently doesn't use shiny objects. Think about David. We think about David as this, this great, powerful man who, who slayed Goliath. Yeah, but he was the youngest, And not only that, but he was not the physical specimen that, say, King Saul was. He was little. This is what was so amazing about him going to fight the giant. He was not this this great shiny object. The Jewish people. The Jewish people, Scripture says, that we're the least of peoples. Yet God chose us. Right? Isaiah 53, Yeshayahu, Isaiah in the Tanakh, chapter 53, describes the Messiah, and it describes Yeshua to a T, my Jewish brother and sister. If you're watching this and you've and never been to a Messianic congregation, you're freaked out about it, read in the Jewish Publication Society, Isaiah 53 in the Hebrew Scriptures, and you'll see it describe Messiah Yeshua to a T. Isaiah 53 says that there was nothing about Yeshua's appearance that we should desire him. No majesty that we should look at him. How interesting. How interesting. And yet we here, especially in modern day America, are obsessed with shiny objects. Friends, stick with substance. Stick with the word. Don't be distracted by the shiny objects. The shiny objects can take many different forms. It might be the fancy lights, the fancy flashing lights, or the emotional displays at a house of worship. A shiny object might be the pursuit of money. A shiny object might be another woman or another man or an image on the internet. A shiny object might be your own ambition. Could be judgmentalism. A shiny object might even be an offense that you just can't keep your eye off of. A shiny object could be a compliment. A shiny object could be partisan politics. Could be legalism. A shiny object could be a vacation or stuff. So many things can be shiny objects that cause you to take your focus off of God. Let's conclude with Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 from the Torah, verse 29. God warns us about stuff like this. He warns us how we have to remain focused. Verse 29, 
So you must take care to do as Adonai your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. You are to walk in all the ways that Adonai your God has commanded you so that you may live and it, be, and it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Beloved, don't turn to the right or to the left. A shiny object can look really, really pretty. It can be very attractive and very beautiful, but it can easily turn you away from that which God has called you to. The title of my message today is Shiny Objects. Exactly. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> you got the message. All right. I want to ask if there's anybody here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If you've never given your life to God, I want to offer you the opportunity. If that's you and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, lift your hand and we'll pray together. Is there anyone who's never done so before but would like to? If that's you, you've never committed your life to God, but you want to today, just raise your hand and we'll pray. Perhaps you're watching online and you've never committed your life to God. You're like, wow, how did I get wrapped up watching this stream, this YouTube video? Providential. Say, dear God, I'm sorry I've sinned against you. Please forgive me of my sins. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. I'll live for you the rest of my days. Thank you, God. It's that simple. It's that simple. The blood covering from Yeshua's atonement is that which covers our sins when we repent unto him. Thank you, God. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're here today, see me after the service. If you're watching online, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. For all the rest of us, I want to encourage you. You know, for some of you, this message today is a, it's almost like a flashing neon light. Be careful. Be careful. Sometimes when things are going really well, that's when that shiny object will, will appear. Sometimes it's when we're desperate and, and hungry. See, sometimes it's like we're in the Garden of Eden and it's beautiful, but then there's that shiny object. Sometimes we're parched and hungry like Esau. It can be any, you, we have to be on guard for that shiny, not to, to get allured by it, not to get distracted by it, to stay to what God has called us to, be faithful. For some of you, it's, it's, a, it's a flashing light to prepare you for shiny balls and shiny objects that may be in your future. For some of you, have heard this message and we're like, wow, I think I've been looking at some shiny objects. <laughs> I think I've been a little too focused on shiny objects. I think I've been distracted. Help me, God. Oh, if that's you, beloved. Oh, you've come to the right place. You're watching the right YouTube stream. Not because of us, but because I can direct you to somebody who can take care of that. 
Lord, in the name of Yeshua, I pray for strength for anyone who is distracted by these shiny objects. God, I pray for the discernment, for the wisdom to see, not to go to the left or to the right, but to keep our eyes solely focused on the prize that awaits us, fully, solely focused on the truth that is your word, solely focused on Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. Oh, Abba, please help us, help us, Lord. Look straight toward you. Not get distracted by these shiny objects, Lord, that can often make us fall or can lead us off of the right path that we're on. Guide our steps, Lord. Clear our path. That's my humble request to you today for all of us, all of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for what you're doing in these days. We bless you, God, and thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Shalom.